I am Dr. Barbara Kiel, and some clients of mine prefer to call me Dr. Bibi. And to be honest, I quite like it. Welcome to my podcast. To be honest, a podcast that is born out of mental health efficacy. I believe in the power of intention, and my intention for this podcast is to educate whoever wishes to listen, and to make a paradigm shift in how we perceive mental illness. I also believe mental health education is key, and that one of the most valuable gifts you can give yourself is to invest. In your own mental health. Let's face it, we all need to learn how our minds work, and have the skills to deal with life's ups and downs. And more importantly, let us strengthen our ability to better connect with and support each other. Strong, empathetic. Nurturing and caring relationships have the power to prevent everyday challenges from becoming more concerning issues like mental illness. The responsibility to renew focus on your own mental well-being begins now. Let us set the energy of this episode together. You may wish to put your hand on your heart. And close your eyes, unless you're driving or operating heavy machinery. So take a deep breath in, and as you exhale, let your thoughts go. Let your past go. Now take a moment to plug into the greater energy of the universe. Feel your heart. And imagine us all connected in a unified field of divine white light, and know that you are safe, all is well, and so it is. So take another deep breath in. Hold it for five seconds, and exhale out with a sigh. And when you are ready, slowly open your eyes. Hello, welcome back to To Be Honest. Today, I am going to wrap up the eight-part series on the topic of understanding narcissism. I am going to introduce you to two of my mentors and teachers in this field. First is Dr. Ramani Duvasula. She is on a mission to demystify and dismantle the toxic influence of narcissism on all of our lives. Dr. Ramani is a licensed clinical psychologist in private practice in Santa Monica and Sherman Oaks, California, and she is also a professor of psychology at California State University, Los Angeles, where she was named outstanding professor in 2012. And she is also a visiting professor at the University of Johannesburg. 
She is the author of the Modern Relationship Survival Manual, Should I Stay or Should I Go? Surviving a Relationship with a Narcissist. As a matter of fact, some of the material that I shared with you in the past few weeks, I took it from her latest book that came out in September 2019, Don't You Know Who I Am? How to Stay Sane in an Era of Narcissism, Entitlement and Incivility. And today I will continue to share more of her material from that book. My second teacher, Christine Louise de Cannonville. She's a licensed psychotherapist and clinical supervisor living in Dublin, Ireland. She is also an author, a professional trainer, and international speaker and lecturer. She has worked in the area of mental health and trauma recovery for the last 28 years. In 1995, she set up her own private clinical practice where she now specializes in narcissistic abuse recovery. In this episode, I'm going to share with you some of the highlights from her ebook, When Shame Begets Shame. Christine nails it in this ebook. Victimized by a psychopathic older brother, she gets the game from the inside out. She's very thorough, clear, and compassionate. Well, to be honest, she has written for both professionals and also regular people. So, without further ado, from her ebook Shame Begets Shame, she wrote, It may come as a surprise when I say that we are all narcissistic and co-narcissistic to some degree. Okay, let me press the pause button. Christine mentioned about co-narcissist. What she means is that the person or the victim that is cooperating with the narcissist. And she coins them co-narcissist. So now back to her book. And I quote, for example, whenever we find ourselves esteem taking a tumble and we find ourselves worrying about what another person thinks or feels about us, in effect, at that moment, we are experiencing narcissistic vulnerability. Or, on those occasions, when we find ourselves feeling a sense of blame and shame because at that moment, we think we do not measure up to someone else's expectations of us, we are experiencing co-narcissistic vulnerability. Putting it simply, the term narcissistic vulnerability is used For those occasions, whenever we feel any fragility or uncertainty in our sense of self that leads to the feelings of shame, i.e. sensitivity to slights, insults, experiences of feeling ignored or overlooked or treated without respect or thought. So both responses to narcissistic vulnerability are typical human responses that we all know from time to time. And in themselves... They are not bad, but without a doubt, they feel bad. However, when either narcissism or co-narcissism becomes pathological, then things can be quite different. Unquote. (music) 
quoting Christine's book again. When I use the term pathological, I am speaking about behaviors that happen both regularly and unconsciously. Therefore, impossible for the person to control. These pathological behaviors will then lead the individual to experience difficulties in their relationships. It will be especially difficult when the pathological narcissist, that is, the perpetrator, becomes coupled in some way with a pathological co-narcissist victim, i.e., a narcissistic parent and a co-narcissistic child, or later as a narcissistic spouse with a co-narcissistic partner, narcissistic sibling with co-narcissistic sibling, etc., etc. Whether the person is deemed to be pathologically narcissistic or pathologically co-narcissist, you can be confident that both have experienced narcissistic abuse and an absence of empathic understanding from a significant authoritative caretaker in their early childhood. Unquote. So there you have it. According to Christine, we are all narcissistic. And co-narcissistic to some degree. Whenever we experience narcissistic vulnerability, she also wrote that narcissistic vulnerability is a component of shame that leads to embarrassment. It is worthwhile mentioning because Christine also mentioned in her book both the narcissist and the co-narcissist pathological behaviors are survival strategies born out of their experience of narcissistic vulnerability experienced during a troubled, abusive childhood. Although the abuse these two individuals have experienced in childhood is quite similar, the personality of the pathological narcissist and the co-narcissist become forged. In very different ways. So, as a result, the narcissist, meaning the perpetrator, according to the DSM,、uh, the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, published by the American Psychiatric Association, develops a grandiose sense of self-importance. They exaggerate their accomplishments and demand to be considered superior without real evidence or achievement. They live in a fantasy world of exceptional success, power, beauty, genius, or perfect love. They think of themselves as special or privileged, and that they can only be understood by other special or high-status people. They demand excessive amounts of praise or admiration. They feel entitled to automatic deference, compliance, or favorable treatment from others. They are highly exploitative, always looking to take advantage. They lack empathy and do not recognize or identify with other people's feelings, and that is detrimental. Because if you are in a relationship with a narcissist, you cannot expect to get empathy or and emotional support. Because they are not able to identify with your feelings, they are frequently envious of others and think others are envious of them. Full of grandiosity, they act in haughty or arrogant ways. They don't take responsibility for their actions and blame others for anything that goes wrong. Although the overt narcissist can appear highly confident and superior individuals, however, underneath their ego is extremely fragile, very delicate, leaving them easily offended and rage-prone. 
They oscillate between their Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde personas of idealization and hatred. So, what about the characteristics of the co-narcissist, the victim? They are in stark contrast to the pathological narcissist. Christine wrote, "Very often, the co-narcissist is a modest, gentle, and humble self that does not need to be the center of attention. They respond to the needs and wishes of others." This is an unconscious defense they use to stay safe. By the time they become teenagers, they have become highly empathic and often empaths, and therefore hyper vigilant to other people's needs, feelings, especially those with a narcissistic personality. Because of working hard to please others, they become out of touch with their own needs and feelings. They tend to be over-responsible, therefore likely to take the blame for any interpersonal problems in their dealings with others. They don't look for attention or help for themselves. On the contrary, they are compulsively self-reliant. In fact, they have a cognitive proclivity to go it alone. Of course, that is based on a fear that has come from their childhood experience and their propensity to be overly responsible. However, they give their soul to others without a. Second thought and become compulsive rescuers and fixers at every opportunity. Therefore, they are like a magnetic force for pathological narcissists who all want to be taken care of and minded. It is easy to see why the empathic co-narcissist becomes a natural target for toxic predators and why they are valued so highly by the pathological narcissist, at least for as long as they satisfy their needs and that. They continue to provide them with the narcissistic supply. All right. With the remaining of the time, I am going to talk about Dr. Romney's book. Don't you know who I am? How to stay sane in an era of narcissism, entitlement, and incivility. I wish to share with you the part she mentions about the self-esteem of a narcissist. And I quote. Despite the dispassionate deconstruction of personality that is required of personality research and science, it may miss some of the picture. I am committed in my belief, through clinical observation and other theoretical literature, that in its clinical manifestations, narcissism implies pathological insecurity. That is the core of the main paradox of narcissism. Most armchair uses of the word conflate it with self-love or hyper-self-confidence, when it is really a deep-seated insecurity. It is this insecurity that. That makes the narcissist so difficult and toxic because they feel chronically vulnerable. Narcissist self-esteem is continually under threat. They constantly need validation to offset that insecurity, and they become rageful under conditions of frustration, disappointment, or stress because these conditions threaten their self-esteem and fragile egos. This is why superficial successes are so important to them. For many of us, a bonus or a new car is fun, but we would be fine without either. For the narcissist, things like that are essential because they help protect his or her fragile ego. 
The issue of insecurity is often missed by our measurements and our theories, and as a result, we may know what narcissists look like, but we still struggle to fully understand what motivates them and what makes them tick. The pathological insecurity of the narcissist becomes no match for the normal insecurity most of us have. Most of us can soothe ourselves and balance out our day-to-day insecurities. Narcissists act as magnifying glasses for the insecurity of other people, and upon entering the worlds of other people, it's as if they infuse other people with their pathological levels of insecurity, leaving everyone destabilized. Because of this, narcissistic people are labeled emotional vampires. They actually suck out whatever security or sense of self another person has, leaving their victim completely insecure and the narcissist on the search for more validation. Here's the rub: researchers who are focused on the trait of narcissism and not so much on the clinical patterns, treatment, or relational impacts do not believe it reflects insecurity. They argue that by labeling it as such, we can use compassionate means to rescue the narcissist. For example, as in the age-old myth that love conquers all, and if someone is insecure. Then love should rescue them. I do not agree with that. Insecurity makes people dangerous, very dangerous. It gives them an itchy trigger finger, and it renders them selfishly infantile. High self-esteem is not a virtue. It may just be a shell or an inaccurate assessment of self. In that way, narcissists are, in fact, very poor judges of everything: of themselves, of their impact on others. Of their own abilities of other people, their quote unquote high self-esteem is then a byproduct of their miscalculations. Narcissism and individualism are not the same thing. Narcissists are almost always individualistic, but not all individualists. Are narcissistic. One of the key building blocks of the definition of narcissism is entitlement. Entitlement can be defined as the belief that one is deserving of or entitled to certain privileges. Entitlement is not always a bad thing. In some cases, an entitlement is earned or is a tool for creating equitable access. People with physical disabilities or limitations are ent. Entitled to a parking spot that provides optimal or easier access to a property, people who pay a fee are entitled to use an exercise facility. People who successfully complete degree requirements are entitled to a diploma. Entitlement can become problematic when it reflects an unqualified expectation of special treatment. The Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders defines entitlement as unreasonable expectations of especially favorable treatment or automatic compliance with his or her expectations. 
This is a more pathological definition of entitlement by dint of the expectations being unreasonable and the compliance being automatic. For example, if a person is a high-flying executive or a celebrity, he or she will grow accustomed to having a coterie of assistants: personal chefs, drivers, personal trainers, personal manicurists, and other personal helpers. High flyers like this can then become rather dismissive or curt with just about anyone, and can quietly fall into the perception that other people exist. To serve their needs. Unquote. My dear audience, I share this part with you because I absolutely agree with Dr. Ramani regarding narcissists are indeed suffering from pathological insecurity. There is so much more to learn about narcissism. However, this is a wrap up, and if you are interested to learn more, I highly recommend you to read Dr. Ramani's book. It will not disappoint. So until next week, stay safe, learn heaps, and find the courage to be honest. Bye for now. Find this podcast. To be honest, on Apple Podcast, Spotify, and my website, www.drbarbarakiao.com. D R B A R B A R A K I A O. dot com. <music> <music>